Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us the Bible to teach us about you. Open our minds and hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody, we're back for day six. And today we'll be continuing with the life of Abram and his wife, Sarai. And we're going to see how they kind of decide to take matters into their own hands rather than trust what God has promised to do for them. Um, never a good idea, by the way. So let's get going. Um, we're starting with our insight insert. With the passing of time, Abram begins to be concerned that he and Sarai still have no children. How can his offspring inherit the land if there are no children? Must the inheritance come only through the children of his head servant, Eliezer, whom he could adopt in order to preserve his line of inheritance? Abram is genuinely puzzled. So God reassures Abram that he himself will have children, who in turn will multiply exceedingly. When God also restates his earlier promise that Abram's descendants would inherit the land, Abram asks God for a sign that his promise is true. God graciously overlooks Abram's insecurity and instructs Abram to prepare for a covenant after the manner in which agreements are commonly sealed during this time. By the prevailing custom, the covenanting parties pass through the split carcasses of animals which have been specially killed for the ceremony, as if the covenantors are saying, this same fate be to all my herds and flocks should I not keep the promise. God's passage through the pieces of slain animals comes in the appearance of a blazing torch, whereupon the promise is sealed. Interestingly, God alone passes through the carcasses, indicating the unique one-sidedness of this covenant. Just before this covenanting takes place, God appears to Abram in his sleep and tells him that his descendants will serve as slaves in a foreign land before returning to possess the land of Canaan. Subsequent text bears out the detailed accuracy of God's prophetic vision to Abram when the Hebrew nation is later enslaved in Egypt for some 400 years. Perhaps the most significant statement at this point in the record of Abram is the fact that when God promises Abram children, Abram believes God. As will soon be evident, Abram is still not so sure that children would come through himself and Sarai, but never again will he fail to trust that by God's power, he will somehow have offspring. As the account of God's covenanting with Abram begins, God may also be addressing Abram's fear of revenge from the Eastern kings whom Abram has recently defeated. And into scripture, Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, 
Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadwanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. And an insight. Almost 10 years have passed since God renewed his promise that Abram would have children. Although both Abram and Sarai continue to believe that it will happen, Sarai apparently begins to wonder if the promise specifically includes her as the mother of Abram's offspring. Despite her faith in the promise, Sarai finally convinces herself that she is not a part of God's plan and comes up with an idea to help make the promise come true. She suggests that Abram take as a secondary wife her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar. By the custom of the times, it is altogether proper, even if somewhat personally humiliating, for a woman of Sarai's position to give her servant to her husband for the purpose of bearing children. Children born under such an arrangement may inherit as natural children. Therefore, when viewed from a strictly human perspective, Sarai's suggestion is both unselfish and ostensibly designed to bring about God's promise to Abram. With Hagar's pregnancy, however, it soon becomes clear that the plan is fraught with problems. Pride, jealousy, and alienation of affections naturally arise in such a mixture of relationships. And in the end, Hagar runs away from her mistress. However, Hagar is instructed to return and be submissive. God promises Hagar that the descendants of her son, Ishmael, will be countless, but prophecies that Ishmael and his offspring will be characterized by hostility, particularly against his brothers. It is noteworthy that in centuries to follow, there will be conflict in the Middle East between the Arabs, who descend from Ishmael, and the Jews, 
who are descendants from Ishmael's stepbrother, a son soon to be born. Back to scripture. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That's why the well was called Be'er Lahai Rawi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Insight insert. The Genesis record is silent as to what events transpire over the next few years. However, the door to history is once again opened some 13 years after Ishmael's birth. At this time, God appears once again to Abram in order to restate his promise and to confirm his prior covenant with Abram. Two signs are given to mark the occasion. The first involves the changing of Abram's and Sarai's names, whereas Abram has meant exalted father, his new name, Abraham, signifies the father of many. And whereas Sarai has meant princess, God adds a dignity befitting a princess who is the mother of many in making the slight change to Sarah. A happy part of God's appearance to Abraham is the surprise announcement that Sarah herself will bear the son of promise. Abraham's response to, the, to that announcement has been viewed by many to be one of skepticism in which Abraham pleads with God to let Ishmael instead be the honored son. However, the text seems to indicate quite to the contrary, that in fact, Abraham laughs in joyous amazement that after all these years, he and Sarah 
will actually have a child of their own, just as promised, despite the increasing human odds against it. Even the son's name, Isaac, which means he laughs, will memorialize this outburst of Abraham's happiness. Although Abraham is overjoyed at the prospect of fathering a son through Sarah, nevertheless, it is obvious that Abraham has become attached to his son Ishmael. Therefore, Abraham asks that Ishmael be able to share in God's blessings. God assures Abraham that Ishmael, as well as Isaac, will have many descendants, but makes it clear that it will be through Isaac's lineage that the covenant will be honored. As a second sign of God's covenant with his chosen people, God institutes the rite of circumcision for all the males in Abraham's household, including servants and others not naturally a part of the family by birth. With this inclusion of those who are not direct descendants of Abraham, there is even now a striking affirmation of God's promise to bless all peoples on earth. The rite of circumcision is not itself a novel practice in these times. Evidence points to such a custom among Ethiopians, Syrians, Phoenicians, and even some Egyptians. However, in those societies, the rite is normally associated with the child's coming of age at puberty and being accepted into the community. The circumcision commanded by God is distinct in that it takes place in early infancy and is imbued with great religious significance. The act of cutting off the male foreskin is not to be thought of as merely or even primarily hygienic. Rather, this symbolic ritual represents consecration and dedication as well as spiritual purity. Circumcision of the young males is to be a sign of God's covenant with all the descendants of Abraham, both male and female, and a reminder of the obligation of righteousness therein. Perhaps most importantly, circumcision foreshadows the purity of lineage through which all the world will someday be blessed. And back to scripture. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you, for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with your money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. 
whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. King of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. And that's day six. Wow, some interesting things that I wanted to point out. Um... I love that Abram, before his name was changed, he was credited for just believing God, even though he had no children and he was already in his old age. So God appreciated his faith in something that seemed completely impossible. Humanly, it was impossible. And then um, to um, make a covenant to, make, to promise that, God used the commonly um, done uh, covenant where they cut the animals in two and walk between them. But it's um, interesting that God was the one who, with a blazing torch, he went through saying, this is my covenant. I'm promising and I don't break my promises. So I like that a lot. And then um, it's interesting how Sarai at the time said, um, decided, you know, I obviously can't have children. I'm 90, almost 90 years old. So it, the Lord must mean you're going to have children with someone else. And then not only she thought that, but Abraham, Abram agreed. He was probably like, yeah, you're probably right. You can't have any children. And so I thought that was a kind of a little funny. And when God um, 
assured him this was going to happen. Abram, or at the time, um, Abraham left. And I, I agree with what the um, insight was saying. That I, th- I feel like it was a, a laughter of joy, not of doubt. Um, let's see. And it, it was also interesting how it seems that Abram kind of almost forgot about the whole um, covenant of divided animals and the fire pot passing between them as God making that promise. It's been what they said, like 10 years later, nothing had happened yet. So God said, "Eh, he needs some more confirmation. So I'm just going to go down there and talk to him about it. (laughs) And I love how at the end, after God had spoken with him and made these promises that it says, um, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. So I have this image of just God in some kind of human angelic form, perhaps rising up into the sky until he disappeared in the clouds, which kind of foreshadows what Jesus does much, much later which we'll get to at some point. So a lot of fun today and lots more to come. And um, a little spoiler alert for tomorrow's um, segment. We're going to see what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yikes. All right. So we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.